Welcome to Paving the Path. I'm your host, Shiva Mirosaini. People know me as a customer experience champion and a digital executive at Fortune 50 companies. I plan on paving the path in my show with women game changers, thought leaders, and executives touching the entire spectrum of digital transformation in healthcare. Join me in exploring the digital renaissance that's shaping healthcare today and forever, changing the future of wellness, care, and health. Welcome to another episode of Paving the Path. Today, my guest is Sabrina Lowe. She is the chief counsel at NOCD, a very successful mental health startup, very active in digital behavioral health, focusing on treating OCD and related disorders across the whole country. Sabrina began her career as an environmental consultant before going to law school. After law school, Sabrina worked as a litigator at Paul Wiss corporate law firm in New York City, where she worked on a wide range of criminal, regulatory, and complex commercial litigation matters for clients in range of industries, from media to healthcare, energy, and real estate. Sabrina also spent a year clerking for a federal judge in New York City, where she worked on the full range life cycle of hundreds of cases. But eventually, as Sabrina will tell you herself, she made the less common pivot from litigation to her current role at NOCD, whereas the general counsel, her role on the executive team is to help the company manage legal and regulatory risk while serving as a strategic partner to the business in expanding its operations across all the different states and in different arrays of serving their customers. Sabrina, welcome. It's absolutely an honor to have you on the show. I'm very intrigued by NOCD's efforts to enhance the healthcare experience for consumers, very similar to what Livongo did and how it impacted lives in diabetes patients. But more specifically, I'm interested in how you are transforming lives of OCD patients. So it's a very, very interesting and near and dear topic to my heart. It's fabulous to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Shiva. I am delighted to be on the show. As I've told you, I'm a big fan. And I mean, I also love NoCD. I think the company is doing amazing work and I'm excited to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, before we get to the company, I'm very curious and I think our audience would appreciate it also if you could tell us a little bit about yourself beyond what I shared already. And in particular, maybe something you can tell us about what gets you excited to get going, start your day, get you out of the bed type of thing. Of course. So I am a big runner and I just generally love getting out of the house first thing in the morning, whether it's for a run, walk, tennis, something in the great outdoors before I start my day. But actually at the moment, I am about a week and a half, I think, from having my first baby and expect that to change and probably something else will be getting out of me that me out of bed soon. Oh my goodness. Talk about being an overachiever. You're here with us in your final days of stretching and I know you're working full time as well. It makes this particular show even more special. Thank you so much for making the time. Going with that narrative of motherhood, law, 
you know, being a, a very multifaceted type of, uh, you know, working mom. Could you tell us kind of what brought you to healthcare from very different background, right? Being in the midst of working at a large law firm in New York City, what kind of drove you to health, but in particular to NOCD? And if you can give us the layperson's explanation of what the company does and your role, that would be fabulous too. Absolutely. So for me, Going back to when I was a kid, I have always been mission driven, someone who's, you know, somewhat of an activist, I would say. And, you know, I think that that ultimately led me to my position at NoCD. So I, growing up, wanted to find some profession where I could really do good. I think, you know, I, for, you know, better or worse, didn't see myself as a doctor, but wanted to help people. And so um, actually going, to law school was largely driven by that, wanting to help um, as either a public servant or, you know, helping my clients, whatever it might be. And so I went to a law firm, Paul Weiss, that is well known for its many different interesting pro bono cases, um, has had big victories in lots of areas. And as you mentioned, I was an environmental consultant. So I've done, done a lot of different work I felt really passionate about. And I think as I was looking to make a move from litigation to a company where I could be more fully part of a team and part of initiatives, whether it's, you know, providing new services or, you know, some kind of product. Healthcare really drew me in. And, you know, I'd say what one other thing for NoCD in particular, I made this move during the pandemic. And I, like I think so many others, was experiencing more anxiety than I had at any other point in my life. And I was seeing a therapist for the first time and grew and actually seeing this therapist remote and grew really interested in this kind of care delivery model. So when the opportunity arose, I jumped at it. That is truly special. And yet, to your point, not unique in the sense that a lot of us, myself included, felt that sense of anxiety and kind of the tight shifting during the pandemic and post-pandemic. And so... I appreciate you sharing that personal story. So coming to NOCD, and this is a company that is doing superbly well and really has a specialized, and I let you kind of tell the whole story, but I'm always at awe when very unique, specific healthcare solution gets so much traction so quickly. And I think the world of the executive team and Stefan and, and this, you know, the CEO. But I want to hear your kind of perspective on not just what NOCD does, but how it became kind of, what was the it factor that put it on the map, so to speak? Yeah. So NOCD is unique in a number of ways, I would say. And, and so you alluded to, you know, Stephen and his vision for the company and, and what he did to get it to where it is. You know, I think his, and Stephen talks about this publicly regularly, his own experience with, with OCD led him to, to found this company that, you know, I think very, very smartly uses a community platform where lots of people, you know, before they even necessarily know what OCD is or that that's what they're suffering from are drawn in by by content that our company posts posts about OCD and about treatment and find this community platform where lots of other people are talking about 
their own experience, their struggle with OCD, the treatment that they have been able to receive, things like that. And so there's somewhat of a unique model there. You know, I'd say another thing that sets no CD apart is our clinical, our clinical team that is training our therapists, that is comprised of experts, thought leaders in the space, and very focused on developing this highly effective treatment protocol and providing ERP or exposure response prevention therapy, which is, I'd say, and I'll talk about this more later, but is a very effective form of treatment for OCD is seen to have outcomes in a matter of weeks. And so, you know, I think that it's it's a combination of these factors of the way that NoCD has, has drawn people in and people have learned about the treatment in a way that many were unaware before, as well as the services that we're providing through NoCD's platform, which is remote, which, you know, is also another way that NoCD is able to serve people who, before there was a company like NoCD, might have lived hundreds of miles from the nearest ERP specialist and been unable to get this kind of treatment. So there's so much that I think goes into that secret sauce of what has made NoCD really effective and, and has seen the kind of growth that it has in the past few years. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think when it comes to mental health and obsessive compulsive disorder, which OCD stands for, is not unique, is it's not unique to that, is a lot of time people are unaware of what the symptoms of a particular diagnosis are about like they, 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 and I think with OCD, what I've heard is there were a lot of under diagnosed or misdiagnosed or just not diagnosed kind of people going well into their adulthood with those symptoms, not knowing what to do with it, completely feeling helpless. And then starting to experience other mental health issues, be anxiety, depression, or whatnot. And with mental health, there's so much comorbidity across these different, you know, diagnoses that it just, if you don't diagnose early enough or in a timely manner, you know, and just are proactive about it, it can actually lead to more complex situations. Am I getting that right with respect to kind of the value that NoCD brings to the table? Yes. And, you know, I'm just wondering what I might even add because you know so much about it. But that's that's absolutely true. It's, you know, I'd say it's a mis, uh, misunderstood term. And so a lot of people suffering don't know what they're suffering from. You know, a lot of people think that OCD is just perfectionism is just reorganizing something on your desk or, you know, washing your hands a few extra times. And it's not, it's a very serious condition. People can spend hours doing the compulsions that they do in order to try to quell the the fear they're experiencing or, you know, make the obsession subside. And so a lot of people, you know, for, for the reasons you said that, you know, they think that some comorbidity like depression or anxiety is actually primarily what they're experiencing because they can experience that along with OCD. But really, you know, the underlying cause of their suffering might be OCD and might not be one that they're aware of. You know, it can also, it can be something that because a lot of, so there there are a number of different subtypes of OCD and what people might be experiencing as their obsession or fear could be something that 
that is deeply stigmatized and that they are afraid to tell anyone they're experiencing. So as a couple of examples, you know, there's harm OCD. So, you know, a mother might fear that she's going to hurt her child and really she is not going to hurt her child at all. But that fear is so strong that she can't stop thinking about it and does some compulsion as a result. And this kind of cycle can get worse and worse, especially for people who get the wrong kind of treatment. And so people might see a therapist who tries to teach them to put a thought on a leaf and let it float down the river. And, you know, the kinds of techniques that you might learn in other forms of therapy where really what NoCD does, um, ERP therapy, is quite the opposite. And it teaches people to sit with to sit with this obsession, this fear, and not do the compulsion and be able to last longer and longer without doing it. And, you know, at a point, it then becomes that the underlying obsession or fear dissipates and you're able to go, you know, it, it becomes something that doesn't doesn't impede on your life the way it used to. So it's actually, it seems to be a very effective form of treatment for, for that reason. That's just amazing. And just to reflect back what I heard, that increasing awareness is a key factor in really galvanizing this community of people that comes together. And it's very community oriented, right? Like knowing that you're not alone and having all these voices, kind of crowd generated type of intelligence around it seems to have been very, very effective. But also to add to that is that it's evidence-based. It brings about the best available evidence-based toolkits and therapies at the convenience of your own home and your privacy without the stigma of, you know, being attached to or having had to go to a particular whatever unit or location or whatever it might be. And that convenience also plays a great factor. And I, I, I remember if I correct me if I'm wrong, but also from a financial perspective, like insurance companies now accept kind of this kind of support and therapy. And so an OCD is supported by a number of large payers as well. And so you kind of, you guys have kind of checked all the boxes, which is fabulous. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that is all true. And I'd say there's the convenience there. Some of our therapists even talk about the benefits to doing ERP out of the therapist's office where you can be in the setting where you are experiencing the trigger. So there, you know, there can even be ways that, that you are able to treat the condition that you wouldn't be able to otherwise if, you know, if we didn't have this set up. And certainly I'd say, you know, the the accessibility in that way and the affordability because we have such extensive payer coverage or, you know, in health plan coverage makes it that people who, you know, might not be able to otherwise get this kind of treatment now have access. Yeah, I absolutely advise. And I've been to your website and I'm always curious anyway. I think that awareness and education is in and by itself incredibly helpful. Even if it's not for yourself, if you're a mom for your loved ones, it's just to be aware and know is super helpful. Now, I'm curious, just, you know, let's talk about you a little bit, your role, healthcare and digital health and this new generation of health tech companies have come to essentially to the limelight in a very different environment in that, well, on one end, technology is enabling bringing certain solutions and products to market at record time, but also 
we are still, you know, have to deal with policies, decade old policies and regulations and, and whatnot. So I can absolutely imagine why a role like yours as a general counsel is so pivotal to the executive team, to Stefan. I mean, your name was the first name that came to his mind when I was thinking <laughs> about when I was asking about, you know, who to talk to with respect to kind of bringing awareness and have on my uh, podcast. For our audience, though, what are you seeing? What makes this kind of role and yours in particular a strategic role for startups? Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I'd say I'm, I'm flattered to hear that my name was one of the first, but I think, you know, that speaks to, for an OCD and hopefully, I you know, I would think for most other healthcare companies and companies in this space in particular, the regulatory environment is complex and there is a lot, a lot to consider and a lot to be careful of. We, you know, it's, I'd say legal and healthcare or clinicians line up very closely on this where we want to do right by the people that we're serving. We also want to do right by the law and stay within the bounds. And so I'd say one area in particular where there's been increasing attention in the past year, years um, is privacy, for example. So as a company that treats uh, serious mental illness and one where people are sharing their deepest, darkest secrets with their therapist, for example, it's very important for us to make sure that their data, you know, is, is secure, is protected, is not shared with people who shouldn't be able to access it. That is important because it, you know, because we care about the people we're serving, but it's also very important legally. Um, and there are, you know, a number of different regulatory regimes that have various requirements that we have to comply with to that end. And I'd say there's marketing related regulations. There's, you know, as we work in all 50 states, there, you know, are multiple laws in all of these areas. There are laws on, you know, remote practice. There's lots to be thinking about. And I would say that as the head of the legal department, as general counsel, my my role is is to help us manage that risk and to help us make sure that we're complying with these various regulations. It's also to help the team think about, you know, stay abreast of what changes are happening and think about ways that we can structure our operations, you know, how we're using our technology, what new solutions we're developing while helping the members we serve the best we can and keeping, you know, these various uh, regulations in mind. Wow. There is plenty to do <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so again, thinking about the the new generation, if I would put it that way, of digital health revolution that we are seeing in healthcare, the word consumerism or, you know, consumerization of healthcare comes to mind. And there are many direct-to-consumer companies out there or, you know, B2B2C, if you would. By and large, even if they're selling to businesses, be employers or payers, you still have to educate and onboard and and really ultimately engage the end user, the patients, the consumer. So when we think about consumers, the reality is that 
we, and I put myself in those, in that category, we don't necessarily understand and appreciate the complexity of the healthcare system and nor should we, you know, it's, it's not our job to think about the spaghetti web that healthcare ecosystem is all about. With that said, though, we still want better experience. And that's one of the hurdles of achieving better health in the United States. How is the team at NoCD helping design a better experience? So in many ways, you know, and I think we've talked about some of them, some being the uh, the remote accessibility and the way that that can make it just, you know, something you can fit into your day that you couldn't otherwise, or you could get in with a specialist much sooner than you would have been able to otherwise. There might have been months long waits. I, you know, I think it de- depends on where you are and, and who's available to you. You know, I'd say... There are also technological solutions that we have. So NoCD, in addition to, you know, supporting therapy services and having this community has self-help tools that our members, we call them, or the consumers are able to use between sessions. And this is incredibly important. So people are able to to do homework, you know, to do the kinds of exercises that they, you know, practice in session with their therapist between sessions. And that's really important to being able to make progress and see the kind of rapid decrease in symptoms and strong outcomes that we do see. So there, you know, there's that, there's the community page that I talked about there. You know, I'd say our our team is always looking for ways to improve our EHR and actually, you know, to support our therapists better. And I would say that that's, you know, that's a piece kind of when you're talking about that spaghetti of like what you don't see behind the scenes is actually something that makes it that your therapist can do a much better job when they have an easier time using the tools that we provide to them and being able to really focus on clinical work first and foremost Lots of different ways that NoCD is, you know, I'd say both outward facing and internally working on our processes, on our partnerships where, you know, we are able to increase, as we've been discussing, educational efforts about NoCD or work with partners who make our, you know, our services function better for members. All, you know, all of that, I'd say, is is part of what NoCD is always working on in order to provide the best consumer experience. Absolutely. That's a full plate for sure. Now, I don't want to make this next one a leading question, but when it comes to telehealth, we saw the pinnacle of virtual health reach right around post-pandemic, but it has come to, it, it has normalized to some extent. What kind of progress do you think we can realistically expect in healthcare industry be virtual health or otherwise in the next one or two years? So in terms of, you know, what progress do I expect in the next, you know, one to two years, I'd say first, um, and thinking about my own company, an increase in focused and specialized treatment in the behavioral health space, for example, we've seen this come such a long way and it's continuing to evolve. So first, you know, in the pandemic, people actually began to think about receiving this treatment and, you know, I'd say just looking back 2021, Google's year in search showed mental health was a key theme. Employers have increased mental health benefits. Um, school districts are now experimenting with measures to address mental health 
and the crisis that we're seeing right now among kids and teens. And we see this in all areas. And I think that that's going to be true of healthcare as well. So there will be this continued focus here. And as there is a continued focus on behavioral health, getting into more specialization where you can actually treat the, you know, the underlying condition better is going to continue to increase. So people, you know, I'd say we're familiar with depression and anxiety. The familiarity with other conditions has only increased in recent years. And, you know, Shiva, as we've been talking about, companies like OCD are focused on these educational campaigns. So we have a no OCD campaign where we partner with the comedian Howie Mandel and he's, you know, helping increase awareness of this condition. So I think the more companies are focused on it, the more they're doing to educate consumers, the more consumers are independently focused on it as, you know, sadly we're seeing still a continued mental health crisis we will see more focus on how to treat the various conditions, not just mental health broadly. And if you think about it, you know, physical health, right? You don't go to your primary care doctor for all things to be treated. You know, there are specialists for a reason and they're able to give you the right kind of treatment. Same thing in mental health. That's one of the big areas of progress that I'm expecting to see. You'll also see with that kind of specialization, improvements in personalized care. So no CD, you know, just to take my own experience, you know, we, we are able to use some of the data that we have and some understanding of patients' behaviors and of how they're responding to our treatment. And based on that, we're able to make all of these improvements to the care that we provide for this kind of condition and for the people that come to no CD seeking treatment for it. Another area I'd say is, um, faster care and just the speed of access to care. I think we're going to continue to see progress there. We right now already can just hop on our phones any time of day if we're looking to see someone for, let's say I wake up on a weekend with some kind of eye infection and I I would like to see my primary care doctor but wouldn't be able to get in ordinarily. I've in the past been able to just log onto my phone and you know, within 15 minutes, you see someone. I'd say increasing use of AI is another really interesting area currently. And I think we're going to see that, you know, in part recent, you know, recently, there's been a lot of focus on chat GPT and how different new forms of AI are improving healthcare. There was a study on how the what was it? ChatGPT outperformed doctors on empathy scores. Um, while I'm not sure that that's going to be the primary way that we see improvements, there are also improvements in automating tasks like scheduling and in helping identify information in EHR that can help inform clinical decision-making. So I think there's so much potential there and we're just seeing the beginning of it. Wow, that's a full list. And I think I want to stay on that last bit piece because I've heard this from Stefan and and others in the healthcare as well. There is, because of the regulatory, and this is your area, because of the regulatory requirements, clinicians have to do a lot more work than just caring and serving and spending time with the patients. And a lot of people are very optimistic about the opportunities of leveraging AI to automate a whole lot of back office or even prep work or clinical decision support for clinicians, including therapists. So that's an area that a lot of people, including myself, are very, very excited about. Thanks so much for for sharing that, 
I'm really glad to hear that from you as well. I was just going to agree. And, you know, I think that, you know, in terms of automating these back office functions, the more that you can free up clinician time to focus on the work we want them to be focused on, the better, the happier clinicians are going to be, more they can focus on, you know, the most pressing issues. And it's, you know, it's a huge, huge area for opportunity area of opportunity for the company. Absolutely. Kudos to that. Absolutely. With that in mind and with AI, with technology, healthcare, and even on the policy side, things are shifting and moving a lot faster than we have ever imagined in this sector uh, compared to any time in the past. Where is no city headed in the next six to 12 months, considering the pace of change? It's a great question. And things are always changing. You know, I'd say that one big thing at a high level is that no CD is focused on our educational efforts to increase awareness of OCD, no CD and our treatment offerings. No CD really sees that this can be not just life changing, but life saving treatment. You know, sadly, in this population, Rates of suicide can be, I believe it's one in you know, 10 times higher than in most of the population. And, and the ability to educate people on this condition and to reach more people who would not even know to look for this kind of treatment, I think is, is the biggest area where we're going to see, see change and um, see no CD, you know, really, I think probably be able to help more people. Wow. I did not know that. That's very much, that's alarming, but at the same time, a huge opportunity, right? For all of us, including NoCD. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, given all that kind of convergence of trends from consumer behavior, technology, policy, whatnot that we discussed, I'm curious as a thought leader, what other trends are you paying attention to right now? especially as a partner and as a strategic advisor to the executive team. So this issue of health equity is something that was brought into focus during the pandemic. It's been been an issue for a long time, but it was something that as the pandemic hit, hit marginalized and underserved communities particularly hard. I think, you know, people have have understood that it's so important to provide services that will will benefit those groups. You know, health plans are increasing requirements to train providers in cultural competence. More companies actually have been created to offer trainings to this end. And at the same time, providers are increasingly focused on this as they're seeking to reach and better serve new patient populations. I want to just take a minute for our audience to reflect on a couple of points that you brought up around value-based care which I know from CMS, you know, government agencies, everyone pays a ton of attention to for no other reason than you want to do what is valuable for the patient, but also the whole ecosystem from a cost perspective. It's very encouraging to see companies like NoCD really putting that as a center stage of how they bring solutions and care to market, because it's one thing to do the right thing, but for the right thing to have a long-standing presence in the marketplace, it should be also economically viable. And I love how with no CD, that ROI is so evident in what you know these use cases are bringing to the payers and the plans which i can imagine is part of the reason why you guys have been able to 
have a have a little bit of an easier time essentially partnering and selling into the payer ecosystem, which you know they're bombarded by a lot of pitches and ideas and companies, but to see no CD kind of be a center stage and offer real economic value in terms of reducing costs from a per member per month basis, save lives, change lives. Like doing, like again, checking all the boxes is very, very inspiring. Yep. We've talked about this, but the outcomes that NoCD sees is, is really what you can attribute that to. We see that we're able to start working with people who, you know, are outpatient and help them manage, manage their symptoms, get to a place where, you know, where they can really continue to function and see such improvement. Whereas if someone gets to the point where, where it goes to hours a day or, you know, even worse than that, and they have to be in intensive outpatient care or, you know, residential treatment or, you know, like a higher level of care, you see such higher expense that the payers are then going to uh, be saddled with. And so the, you know, the no CD model of being able to provide this service at a point where we can help people be able to function normally and not have these ballooning healthcare costs as they're in, you know, one of those other types of treatment programs is something that that is a huge selling point to payers. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that early detection or early diagnosis, it's so key in offering and accelerating and putting people on a path for better health, but also avoiding those large out-of-pocket costs, both both for the patient, but also to the healthcare ecosystem. That's all very, very powerful. I feel like we can talk for hours. I just want to make sure we are not leaving anything on the table, especially because I'm talking to an activist, um, you know, and so going back to those roots, going back to the start of the conversation, what drove you to practice law and and then come to healthcare as a general counsel to a very mission-driven company like NoCD. Is there any other kind of overarching trends or factors that's driving your thoughts with respect to health and future of healthcare? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess like one last one I think would be just going back to my environmental roots, seeing an increasing awareness of the impact of environmental pollution and, you know, other environmental impacts on health. And Shiva, I know you you just did another episode on on this actually and I see it as so encouraging that people are beginning to focus on this and the impact that living near a a diesel polluted highway or, you know, another industrial complex can impact people who, you know, are in neighborhoods where unfortunately that level of exposure is so high that there are increased rates of asthma and mortality. And so I think, you know, for me, that's one area personally that I care deeply about. And I'm very happy to see that trend of awareness and, you know, hopefully more initiatives to address it increasing. Absolutely. No, I'm so happy that you brought that up because at the end of the day, our physical health is very connected to our mental health and our mental health is very connected to our physical health. We are one and this, you know, we are one unit, one entity. And that whole practice of wholeness health or functional health or functional care is very, very important. And I'm just so inspired by all the work that NoCD yourself and the team is doing to bringing 
that insight and education forefront to people that might not otherwise think they have anything to do with, you know, OCD, but being aware of it and understanding potentially their symptoms and being able to connect the dots, even if you're not a patient or someone who is currently diagnosed with OCD is very, very important. But it's just a sort of the way I feel like Sabrina, right? It's an ever-expanding area of research, development, and learning for all of us, but very inspired to have people like you at the forefront of it. I so admire what you're doing in your profession. Congratulations on becoming a mom and paving the path for all of us, really, in healthcare, mental health, and being multifaceted human beings and working moms. It's just fabulous. I bet that our people want to get connected with you. Any final thoughts and and how we might connect with you via social media or otherwise? Thanks, Shiva. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me at Sabrina Lowe. And yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to talk about this. I think that this work that NoCD is doing is amazing. I hear from people that we've helped treat all the time and from others coming to us and saying, you know, what, what a serious condition OCD is and how important the work the company is doing is. And I appreciated the chance to talk about it. And, and yeah, I just, you know, I think all of what you're illuminating is, is so important in this space. So thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, I want to thank all of you guys joining us for this fabulous conversation. And I hope that you have a fabulous rest of your day. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.